Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back again for another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 19th, and we thank you guys so much for joining us again today. Um, I am joined by Pastor Daniel Yelverton, as always. I gotta quit saying I am joined by and just we are joined by. Yeah. Um, Tiffany Wiss is with us again today. Hello, hey, Tiffany. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Uh-oh, I wasn't we just fired. Lost uh, you weren't fired? Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she's not fired. She's just joining us once a month. Yeah. Um, and actually one week longer than uh, normal to get back because we had a fifth, uh, fifth Tuesday yeah. in the month last week or fifth Thursday, whatever you want to look at when we record on. Um, so yeah, it's great to have you back. We were actually able to um, have a little fun and have our friend Ernie on last week where we had that extra week in there of recording. Yeah. So thank you for coming back today. Yeah. So we are on Exodus 16. You guys want to give us any context around that or anything? Yeah, sure. Oh, also, uh, hi, Kai Kyle. He's an old buddy of mine from Raleigh. He just joined us. Um, oh, cool. So uh, yeah, so we're in Exodus 16. So now the people of Israel have officially gone into kind of the wilderness. Um, uh, my uh, scripture kind of says the wilderness detour. That's what it's kind of called. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so the uh, they've gotten past the Red Sea now. Uh, the Egyptian army has been vanquished. And so we're going to start a kind of frustrating process <laughs> where the Israelites are going to really uh, just kind of go back and forth um, really thinking about how things used to be in Egypt and how like awesome it was. And then, which is just kind of ridiculous that they would think of that. And then, um, God providing, uh, Israel getting, uh, kind of grumpy and upset and then God providing again. And so, uh, so we're going to kind of join this wilderness journey for a while until, uh, eventually they get to the promised land, which we're not going to see that until uh, a couple of books from now in Joshua. Thank you for the context, Daniel. So, um, we're going to go ahead and get into the reading. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? We talked about a lot before we actually started the audio recording today. Um, are there any other topics that you guys want to get to before we start into today's reading, today's recording? Mm, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I know we'll, we'll try to get to some of the things that we kind of stick out to us in the chapter. Um, but I think that there's going to be this kind of dissatisfaction and constant kind of back and forth that you're going to see with the people of Israel. And, and just... When I read this, I try not to just vilify the person that I'm reading or the people group that we're reading about and try to reflect on, okay, how does this apply to my life? How can I see myself kind of acting in a similar fashion mm -hmm. and then learn from their kind of situation and not necessarily think, okay, these people are just idiots. Why are we, you know, <laughs> why are we kind of keep dealing with it? Kind yeah. of thing. Okay. So um, we'll go ahead and get into today's reading from uh, Exodus 16 from the Dwell app, and we will be right back. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may 
test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation, of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, They said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, 
and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. An omer is the tenth part of an ephah. All right, you guys, and we are back. That is our uh, scripture of the day from Exodus 16 uh, from the Dwell app. So what do you guys want to get into? I have a feeling I know. Well, I was just <laughs> sharing how from that scripture, it to me, when I read at the end when they say they ate manna for 40 years, that, that hits me because I think of like if all I could eat for 40 years would be vanilla wafers, which they are tasty, but for 40 <laughs> years, that's it. Yeah. That, you know, and I, I often get annoyed with the Israelites reading the Old Testament because they did complain a lot. But, you know, it's easy to just kind of read it and say, oh, those people really complained a lot. But if you literally, like, all you could eat for 40 years of your life would be vanilla wafers that you had to go and pick up off the ground in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> I, I might crumble. Yeah. And then is it quail at night? Is that what they get? I think so. I think quail, yeah. Oh, they that's have right. Meat at night. So, so they, they, so they, so they have quail. meat. So it's like their breakfast cereal and then they yeah. get their meat at night. But is it just meat? I think it's, well, I think it's quail. So and they have just to quail. kill a quail, right? I think so. With like their it's slingshots. Not just like, it's just not like, yeah, it's like, or rocks or yeah, whatever it, would, it is. Yeah. So it's not just like meat just descends, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like oh a t-bone steak from heaven <laughs> Pre, pre-cleaned quail just lands on a plate exactly I'll take um, my medium rare but yeah. still though i mean still you're just yeah. i mean it's it's almost like a you know you hear about prisoners they get bread and water you know yeah. obviously today's prisoners don't just get that in most mm-hmm. of the world but um 
Yeah, it keeps you alive, but it probably wouldn't be enjoyable yeah. every meal for 40 years. But yeah. so I, I, it's, I, I'm it's sure people God have asked you guys this question. If you were on a desert island and you had one thing to eat, oh. what would you what would you choose? I don't know. Mm. I don't do well with these kind of questions. No. None now, of see, here's where my brain goes. Is this like a simple ingredient or can it be like a dish that's already made that is just let's what just you go eat with day? like a let's just go with a dish that's already made and then it's but it completely nourishes you so this is just i mean it's one of those okay. weird questions that people ask all right um i would and, have and to if say, anybody wants to comment on facebook live they can also comment and say uh, what know. is it if they had one meal that they could eat what would it be oh. i would probably go with Chicken chimichangas with rice and beans Ooh, and chips yeah. and salsa. Chimichangas. My fajitas. Because that's kind of all-encompassing, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Good. I would that do... Good, it's got bread. It's got vegetables. It's got I would do a chicken flavor. bowl from Chipotle. Raw veggies, yeah. Nora. With guacamole. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. good for you. Wow. <laughs> I know, exactly. Wow, making us like, all look bad. Good for you. I think <laughs> I would do just sushi. So I love sushi. Huh. And yeah, I know. That, that was it? Yeah. Well, but there's oh. a variety there. If you're on yeah. an island, that would be provided anyway. You just got a fish, right? I know, exactly. But what if it came from heaven? It would be really, really good sushi, right? Or just went out and picked it out on the desert island. Tongs tie every Hibachi. I like that, Cassie. Hibachi. That's a good hibachi. Mm. I wonder if that on the desert island you have a hibachi chef, so it's entertainment and food at the same time. Ooh. Man. Do they spin wow. the egg and I think do so. the onion volcano and all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, so okay. we, we I know, some shrimp. I know we've gotten a little off, but it's still kind of fun <laughs> to like think about that, right? Because I mean, we have to kind of give a little context here because mm-hmm. they are eating like forty years. They're eating the same things, yeah. and so it yeah. is like you said, Tiffany. It's easy to just kind of look at the Israelites and be like, you know, man, like why, uh, why is you know why are they complaining? They're getting like food whenever they want to, but it's the same food, and I and I can understand that. I can understand why that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that? Why why is that part of like the human condition? Like what is, what is it about that we can't? see the blessing for what it is that discontentment comes in. So what what do you think that's what do you think that's all about? Well, honestly, I did you guys see um Sarah Williams shared a video, like a speech from Matthew McConaughey yesterday. Did you guys see that? No. no. I almost shared that with the staff. It was so uh such an impressive speech. Like it really mm. it really hit on a lot of things. But he one of the things that he talked about that I think might be it is he said that we base so much of our life upon happiness compared to joy. Mm. And happiness does nothing except for create this 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 expectation of you that you can never meet mm-hmm. but joy is something where it's it's in the process instead of the end goal mm-hmm. and i think so many people live out of looking for happiness and perfection and they want this specific yeah. meal they want this specific thing that's going to meet these expectations that they have all the time and you you just can't quite reach that yeah. you know yeah. every once in a while you might get it and you're like ah but then the moment passes and you're on to the next thing mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's also like it's challenging to look at the season and find joy in seasons because I think a lot of times we, we compare. Like comparison is a big issue, I think, with discontentment, right? Because that's what the people of Israel are doing. They're mm-hmm. comparing back to the Egypt. days in Egypt that were great, like where they had meat pots and um, bread all day. You know, like it's like I doubt that that was really like the the what they what enjoyed. Like. I mean, they're crying out to God to save them and rescue them from slavery. However, now they're thinking – Man, like we used to have meat pots and it was really awesome. And so like I think that there is there can be like this sometimes you can look back and think with a utopian perspective and always remember all of the good things and kind of have that breed a little bit of discontentment like in your like present and current at. season, right? Mm-hmm. Or compare to other people. 
compared to what it was like for them in Egypt or compared to what it would be like if they were in a different place. And, and so I think that like, mm-hmm. even though we're on Facebook land, as Brent likes to call it, I yes. think it's easy for us to look at other people's lives and begin to compare and that kind of breed a, like a feeling of discontentment. Like, like God's not doing what I want to do in my life and God's not accomplishing. I'm not experiencing what other people are experiencing. And so in, instead of seeing what's going around as like a blessing, the fact that God's literally giving them food that tastes like honey wafers. I mean, it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. Right. Yeah. And then quail and fresh meat every night. Yeah. Fresh meat every night. Um, you know that you have, you have all of this as, as such a blessing and the Lord is providing, but they, they're still not able to do it. And so there's, there is, I feel like that's part of the discontentment there is this kind of broken view of comparison where you're always kind of looking at some, and, and I've had that before in my, my past where you can look back and think, man, it was so good back then. I wish I could go back to those times or whatever it was. And you'll just look at your present season with such discontentment. Um, so, so yes, I, I see that a lot in this and I can bring, I can see that a lot even in my own life, uh, and not viewing God's blessings presently as a, as a good thing. Yeah. And but what I, oh, I'm sorry. No, I, go ahead. I was going to say what I love about it though, is how God, even though they are constantly, you know, complaining and looking back at how God rescued them, it's just, is another example of how patient and loving God is with us mm-hmm. because he still sees their needs and he still blesses them. And it says, you know, a couple of times in this chapter that God heard their grumbling. He heard it and he always looked out for them. He always made sure that they had what they needed. And, you know, I always think about that when I complain in my life or when I do look back and I try to compare, Um, you know, it's just good to know that God loves us so much that even when we are doing that, he still, he hears us and he tries to meet our needs at where we're at in that time. You know, as a mom, I, I do that often, like on Facebook, I'll get on and it'll show the memories. Mm. And I always say I hate those memories because then they make me sad because they make me go back and kind of think, oh, no, you know, oh, my life was so much better back then. But then it's funny because if you took a day and you actually went back to living then for me when, you know, I was in that stage of a tiny newborn baby and getting no rest. No, (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't easy back then, but it is easy to look and think, oh, back then life was so much easier. But yeah. God is just good. He's um, gracious and loving to us, mm-hmm. even when we're not in a good place. And you got to think about what they're like, hearkening back to. Like when they were in Egypt, they were in slavery. Yeah. yeah. They're like, but we had meat pots and bread. It's like, yeah, but you were also in slavery and bondage for four hundred years. <laughs> like, you're you're now free, and mm-hmm. God is literally providing food for you. You know, um, but it is. It's it's just. It's the human condition. We can mm-hmm. look back on things and, and disregard all of the other conditions that were around yes. it that were making us feel in that moment like, oh, this is really not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just look at the good things in it like, man, I wish we had that back. And it's like, really? You want to go back to slavery? But but uh, Mackenzie Shaw said on here, she said, I think it's so easy to forget what God has already brought us through when in the midst of the struggle. Yeah, yeah I think that's a really good perspective, uh, Mackenzie, because mm-hmm. I think when we're in the struggle, that is, seems to be the greatest thing. Like that seems to be the thing that looms the most. Yeah. Um, I think about like Peter walking on water that he was literally walking on water, an amazing miracle. But then he started looking at the waves and started seeing all the things where, you know, it's almost like God was doing amazing things. But then it seemed like whenever there was something looming, it it just took his attention off of that. Mm -hmm. And and so I think that that's 
uh, as believers, we have to have this kind of shift in perspective when it comes to our present struggles and present situations. Uh, Paul says it really well in Romans 5, and then James says it in James 1. Um, and he just talks about, like, consider it joy when you're experiencing these things because these are an opportunity to, to grow. Uh, mm-hmm. And that Paul even says that some of the crazy things that he went through, uh, he talks about this in 2 Corinthians 1, was actually so that he could depend more on God, and that was a better place for him to be than it was to just kind of fear and struggle through the circumstances. Because I think like fear and worry will something it will consume us. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And what will happen is if we're so consumed and, and worried and worried about this kind of fear in the present situation, we miss God's movement and we miss what God is doing. Um, and also, I think kind of what Paul says in second Corinthians one really applies to here is that God provides Mm -hmm. like we can rely on him Mm -hmm. we can trust on him. Think about how consistent God is, right? That they were fed every single day for 40 years because he had the ability to provide every Mm -hmm. single day, you know, like he provided, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and it's so like, you can look at like certain things and, and, and realize that there's some discontentment here, but, but God provides like, sometimes it's hard for me to imagine the fact that, me taking a breath right there is God providing, mm-hmm. you know, but it can become so second nature because I'm just breathing. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I can't make myself, you know, I can't make all of that happen without God giving me breath in my lungs and without God providing air for me to breathe. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not making air in some factory and I'm like, Oh, I've got my air tank around. I'm good. Now I don't <laughs> need God. And I have to rely on that. Yeah. But we don't think about that very often. It becomes so commonplace when we, when we think, when we just kind of view God's blessings as entitlement, and things that we we feel like we deserve or that's just kind of a part of like it kind of like numbs us to like what God is doing. Yeah. And, and then we start seeing all the bad things and we think God's abandoned us when really he's the one that's giving us the very breath in our lungs to be able to kind of work through this. And even it's funny that he gives us the breath in the lungs that we use to question God. You know, yeah. isn't that crazy yeah. that he still provides all that for us, though? Mm-hmm. Right. He's a big fan yeah. of free speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it gets me when uh reading this this chapter, um, how they just continued to not listen to his word when he continued to prove that he would provide because they're saying like he's saying, Look, I'm gonna provide it for you, but don't keep it for the next day. Mm. So I can see somebody if their first day they wanna try it, you know, you store it up, you keep it, you see that it stinks and it has worms in it the next day. So then you know, but then you continue Day after day, even though he said, don't save it because this is what's going to happen. And you're proven again and again that this is what's going to happen. They keep trying to save it and they keep getting the same result again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think about perspective. And believe me, I am not here when I say this, but it made me think about um, children looking to their parents. Like, you know, I think all children, not all children in the world are blessed enough to have a stable home to where they fully trust their parents and they don't think about where the next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. which breaks my heart. But I know that there are tons of children in this world, and I'm sure our children. We provide, and we're there, and every day there's just meals for them. There's just mm-hmm. food being provided. They don't think about, man, tomorrow where is it going to come from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just assumed and expected. And that's the perspective that we're supposed to have with God in these moments of mm-hmm. it's just assumed and, and expected because he said he would do it. And he proves time and time again that he is he is that faithful father that we that we need to just depend on that's going to provide for us and wants to depend or and wants us to depend on him mm-hmm. and provide mm-hmm. being provided for. So it's so simple to say, but it's really, really hard to live out and walk out in your life. But I think that's where the ultimate goal of where we're supposed to get 
with the relationship with him is to fully trust in him, mm-hmm. to just expect and, and operate out of that expectation and not worry about what if he doesn't show up today? What yeah. if he doesn't provide today? You know, it's, it's interesting that you brought up kids because I think that that there is an immaturity when it comes to understanding God that you can have with young kids. That there is the thing where, yes, I trust my parents, they'll provide. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll, I'll, it's so funny because often my son Judah will get angry at me or we get really worried when I'm not providing food the way that he's expecting it to be provided. Oh, yeah. You know, like he'll freak out about like, you know, like, like. He, he really wants an apple and I'm go and I take it and he's like, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And I'm like, I'm going to cut it up for you because that's the way you like it. And you're going to enjoy it that way. Right. right. But in the moment, he's like panicking Panic, because yeah. he can't control what's going on with the apple. And I'm like, don't worry. I've got you covered. Right. I have your best interest at heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I know like, exactly how you like it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you see that like God has our, our best interest at heart, but like, it's almost like we just, and then when we get it, we're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And then he goes on and carefree. And then the next time something comes up, he wants like a fruit snack and he wants to like, he wants to do it himself. And I'm like, you can't open it by yourself. Let me do it for you kind of thing. And then like, he freaks out like when the way I'm opening it and everything like that. And it's, 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 it's okay. I mean, my, my son is not totally like, like losing his mind, but I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not four yet. And so like these things are things that he can't like the inability to control the inability to kind of like have like the way he wants it when he wants it now you know that impatience i think is kind of similar right because you, you see that like like god is doing this and then the people still went out on the seventh day when god said don't do it i'm going to provide but it's like they didn't trust you know they weren't sure right. and i think that part of that is is a maturity thing but also think about the fact that they are grew up were raised in a culture that had nothing to do with god right and so like one thing that we that following God, um, a part of following God is renewing our mind, like renewing the way we think, renewing the way we process, renewing the way we, we deal with things. And so often, especially when our culture tells us to try to stay in control and try not, you know, and if, if it, you got to worry about this and you got to think about like, who's going to break into your house and when's the next bad thing going to happen? And like, we have like a fear mongering kind of culture when it comes to that. And when you're taught that, and when that's around you, that becomes your perception and what you think, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, so God is 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 almost taking like infants, and he's trying to teach them that he will provide them, mm-hmm. provide for them. And I think for believers, we have to do that same thing. We have to rewire the way that we think when it comes to God's ability to provide. A part of that has to do with even generosity. Like we, me and Laney have had to rewire the way we view our finances knowing that God provides mm-hmm. and that we can trust him. And so, you know, we trust him by giving back and being generous to to either to our church or to other people that are in need, but we have to sometimes relearn that. I've told the story before, but there was a time in, when my car was like going to like the engine looked like it died and we were like we're going to have to spend like thousands of dollars to replace this. We don't know what we're going to do, but it was almost like God was saying you need to trust me. And instead, we saw a family in need, and we ended up actually giving a little bit of money to that family to help them out. Well, God ended up working in a phenomenal way to where the engine was part of a recall, and I was able to get a brand new engine in my car that cost nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I went from a car, an engine that had 160,000 miles to a brand new engine Mm -hmm. in my car. And and not that it's always going to work out that way, but we saw that God was doing heart surgery on us because we had forgotten that he had the ability to ultimately provide in any way possible. And so we needed to, to trust him. And then also 
respond by the way we lived that we trust him because we can say the Israelites could say that they trusted God but the fact that they still went out there on the seventh day proved that they didn't actually trust God right Mm -hmm. and so I think that's something that we have to ask ourselves because I can say I trust God but am I living in a way in a fashion that's showing that I'm actually trusting God by the choices that I'm making and by the life that I'm living I think that we all need to realize that so much of our actions are driven by our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And this is something um, at AIM we've been talking about this month is um, learning to control uh, toxic thoughts and how toxic thoughts um, can lead to toxic emotions, which then can lead to toxic actions. And, you know, I think so much in life we need to learn to question what am I thinking about right now because we live in a fear-based society we live in a world that you know we constantly the enemy is throwing fearful thoughts like if you don't do this this is going to happen or you know just it keeps us in that fear state and that's how the enemy wants us to live and that is not at all how Jesus wants us to live he wants us to you know um we have the spirit, so he wants us to live, you know, from that power, love, and a sound mind, not from fear. So something I know we've been talking to the students a lot about is just learning to stop and say, you know, what am I thinking about right now? And does this line up with scripture? And, you know, so much of that, you know, fearful thought of the future, things like that, it's just learning to take that and to turn it into realizing that God's going to take care of it. And it's easier said than done, uh, you know, often with kids and just with life, it's easy for Jeff and I to worry about, you know, the future. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that when I look back and I see how God has always provided, you know, he's always been there. So that's just something that, that God has really been putting on my heart lately. Yeah, I tend to notice when, you know, things that you're reading about or things that you're studying – you really start to see it in your own life and the things that you struggle with when you're trying to talk to other people about it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think is really good when we're reading scripture is to, and, and how, why we have this discussion is to bring out like some sort of application, right? So mm-hmm. what are we kind of drawing out of this to really, how is God speaking to us in this and what are we going to do about it? Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, so I think that's something that we can maybe discuss on a personal level, but I think I want to extend that question and that challenge to to you all, our listeners, to say, okay, God, like, what are you speaking to me in this chapter? Like, what are you revealing? What in my present situation are is is am I resonating with this situation that the Israelites were going to? God's ability to provide, you know, whether we can trust God or not. Um, you know, how do we? How do? What is? What's going on in my present situation? And and what can I do about it? What can you do about it to to either learn from them or to begin to start putting into our life? Um, you know, because Jesus even said this in the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew seven. He said that there's two types of people. There's two type of builders in this world. There's a wise builder and a foolish builder. The, they, the wise builder hears the word, and the foolish builder hears the word. But the wise builder is the one that actually applies it and does something about it, and the foolish builder doesn't. And so I think that's really important for us to kind of pause and reflect and say, okay, God, what, what are you speaking to me now, and how can I begin to apply this to my life? Because when the storm does come, you know, it says that the wise builder is built on a rock. And that his house remains where, but when the foolish builder is the one that hears the word, but doesn't apply it to his life is that when the storms come, the floodwaters rise, the house falls with a great crash, you know? And so I think that 
God is constantly speaking. He's speaking to us through these the Israelites here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are what are some things? Let's maybe just I know it was this this wasn't planned, but was what is something that as this comes to your life, Brent, you know, Tiffany, myself, what is what do you feel like God is speaking to us personally in this? And what do you think it would look like to start to apply this to our life? It's not a question of when something bad's going to happen because we're all going to have trials. Yeah. I mean, Jesus told us in this world, you will have troubles. So it's not like mm-hmm. what something bad's going to happen at some point. Like Jeff and I aren't going to have like such an easy, smooth life where, you know, everything goes perfectly for us. I mean, no, I mean, you know, we know we're going to go through valleys. We're going to go through trials. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, what do I need to do daily and where do I need to be? So that way, when that trial hits, I'm prepared, you know, mm, yeah. I'm ready. And I think it comes back to, you know, just making sure that kind of like what we're doing today, just taking some time, getting mm. into God's word, looking at, you know, they always say we should study history so that we don't repeat it. So I don't want to be, you know, like the Israelites and when the troubles hit where I'm just like, oh, I wish I could have been back in Egypt when, you know, I had all the meat pots or whatever they said. (laughs) So weird. Man, those meat pots. You know, I I want to be in a place where when the the trials hit, and I know they're going to hit, that not that I'm going to always handle everything perfectly because I'm human, but to where I can look at, at the truth of the scripture and I know that God is with me. He's you know, holding me through every trial and that, um, if, even if it is too much for me to handle that I have him and I have his promises and his word Mm. and where I am to the place that I can realize when the enemy is throwing things at me that don't align with the scripture, when he's giving me thoughts or, or things, lies, he's telling me lies and they don't align with who Jesus was, I can catch them Mm. and I can, um, you know, demolish that stronghold that yeah. he's trying to put on me. So also, I think we need each other, uh, just kind of like we're doing today with you guys that are, you know, watching right now. Uh, we, we need a community. If you don't have, you know, a community, you need one. It's so important. We're always telling the teens, you need an accountability partner. You need that 2 a.m. friend that you can call on because we all we all have our weak moments, I do all the time, but I know the people I trust that I can go to and, you know, I can, I can just be honest and they can speak, you know, the Holy Spirit uses each of us to speak into each other. So when I'm weak, I can have another friend where the Holy, the Holy Spirit speaks through them to me and he's there for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. those are just a few things. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, do you have one number? I yeah. I'm, okay. I'm uh, yeah. I mean, I honestly... Um, as you guys know, because we're coworkers as well as um, friends, um, it's a really busy season for me right now. And yes. we, as if you work at a church, mm-hmm. if you're out there watching, um, as I'm sure you probably understand, if you don't even give it much thought, like as we go into the end of the year, as yeah. you're getting into Thanksgiving and you're getting into the month of December with everything Christmas related that always happens for the entire month of December. For me, there's so many different things going on. But then on top of that, there's a lot of other things this month as well. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, I've entered kind of a, um, a place where I feel a bit more disconnected from God just because I haven't, I haven't been 
having as much time or putting as much time into into worship and spending a lot of time with him. So um, what you were speaking on, really, um, that kind of reminded me of where I am right now. But um, a friend that I have on um, Twitter, her name's Joan Bandy, um, her her name is actually Think on These Things. She shares a lot of amazing thoughts on um, faith and Christianity and things like that. And she shared this today, and I thought it would be actually perfect um, to talk about here because it, it, it drives home more of what you were talking about, but it gives a lot of points. And she said in quotations, as if you're saying this, I'm so anxious or I'm just so dry spiritually right now. So she put a checklist out there. She, in her checklist, she said, are you reading your Bible? Are you prayerful? Have you written those prayers down? Because this can help us actually address the point of our need biblically. Are you in a Christian small group uh, where people are free to share? Have you heard others' prayer needs outside of your own family circle lately and helped pray over them? Are you prioritizing worship, Bible teaching as a regular part of your life? Have you dealt with the trauma in your own life? And are you practicing the discipline of thanksgiving? So that really hit home with me because there's so many of those things I'm lacking on right now just because there's so much time being divided in different ways right now. Um, I just, it's, you know, as the Israelites, I always forget Mm. as a human being Mm -hmm. that those things are the most important that I have to stay close Mm -hmm. to. It's so easy because there is no, going back to that Matthew McConaughey video, there's nobody, if you don't do these things, there's nobody that's going to, put you in jail. There's nobody that's going to come arrest you and reprimand you for not doing these things. So it's so easy to not do them and put mm-hmm. them on the back shelf when other things are pressing. And when you're really, really busy, it's easy to say, I don't have time to spend with God today because I've got to get immediately into this and this and this and this and this. Um, so I have to quit living out of that place so much mm-hmm. and start living out of this place and spending more time with him yeah. um, to become um, and I, I, you know, one, one to not be so, to be in such a dry season, I'm not my, one that really gets anxious about much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a whole bunch of like stress and worry and things on me with it. Um, it's just a matter of, I feel I, in these times I get disconnected from God. I, it's a rhythm for me every November and December. I tend to get more disconnected from God because I have so many things on my plate. And then I always remember come January or February, like, oh, I'm getting reconnected with mm-hmm. God now. And I think in those times, too, um, when when we are more connected with him, that we need to stay more connected with him, it's easier to put our trust in him and our faith in him and just yeah. and just know that he's going to provide for us because you're just in so much closer relationship with him and you can feel him so much more. Mm-hmm. And there's less room in those times for the enemy to get into your mind and start feeding mm-hmm. you lies about who God is and, and convincing you that he's not going to provide for you when he always will. It's yeah. good that you're in tune with that, that mm. season. Like you were saying, you you know that's kind of a season for you, November, December, of when you're just busy and you can tell that's the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to look at your life and figure out what season you're in mm-hmm. because it can help you kind of prepare because you know that. You know it's going to be a busy time. You could be a little more strategic with your schedule mm-hmm. and okay, you know, I realize I'm not going to have quite as much time. So I'm going to plan when I'm driving, you know, to listen to worship songs and just really have that be my time with the Lord. Cause I know some, some moms that, you know, are in a season right now where they're barely getting, if they can get a shower, that's, you know, a yeah. victory for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just so important for us to realize that it is just a season and that you you can you don't have to beat yourself up over that. 
yeah. that, that God still loves you and he's still with you and you can still draw close to him even if you only get like five minutes to get in the word. Right. Opposed to somebody else who's maybe in a different season mm-hmm. and they have, you know, hours. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And I, I think it too, it's important to know seasons and cycles too. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a season right now where I'm a little bit more disconnected. But it's also, like I said, it seems to happen every yeah. November and December. So it's not just a season that comes and goes in my life and may never come back. But it's yeah. a cycle yeah. for me. Um, and I think to be more aware of it is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it, one of the biggest things though, I will tell you and, and all of you listening and, um, and watching today, um, like the biggest thing that I've grown in since I've been in ministry is that it's okay. Like mm-hmm. that God is still there. He's still faithful. And like I used to beat myself up when I would be mm-hmm. in a season of not feeling as connected with him because I would be like, how how am I supposed to lead people in worship if I'm in a season where I'm I'm disconnected or I'm not disconnected but feeling less mm-hmm. connected, you know? Um, and that even happens when I'm spending time with him sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to learn that God puts us in the places that he puts us and he, he provides us. Um, th- there's times of training. There's times mm-hmm. of of pouring out into other people the training that you've been given. And in those times of training, sometimes it does require you feeling less close to him in some way or another um, because it changes your perspective and it teaches you to think about things in a different way. And in the end, for me, every single time, it just shows me a new a new side of who God is um, and who I'm supposed to be in connection and relationship with him. So I've learned to really not beat myself up as much. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like to envision... Um, the, the best way that I can say this, and I've shared this on here before, but to envision Jesus as like that that um, trainer that you have, that when you have a terrible day and you like fall off the wagon and you just eat a pint of ice cream and you, you know, drink a whole two liter of Coke <laughs> or whatever, and you go back the next day and you're just like, oh, I'm so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry. And you're waiting to be reprimanded. And instead they just put their arm around you and they're like, it's good. Today's a new day. Let's start a new beginning today. You know, yeah. that's who Jesus is and that's yeah. who God is. And we, we have to learn to not beat ourselves up so much yes. over our humanity and our failures because that's how we're built. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Nobody is perfect and consistent all the time. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I love all this. I love the kind of like, let's jumping into like personal application, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because I think that's what we want to see all every time I read scripture. I want to try to do that. I want to, mm-hmm. and it, I don't always do that. Um, I think for me, um, I, I see complaining as an indicator of something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just like anger or anything, any type of emotion will come up when I find myself like starting to complain I think uh, I want to try to, and you guys can keep me accountable for this week, is just try to pause, you know, try to pause right in that and just say, okay, Lord, help me to get perspective on this situation, right? Because a lot of times the complaining is just because I'm focused on the wrong thing, probably, right? I'm focused on the fact that I could have had meat pots instead (laughs) I've got, you know, manna that tastes like honey wafers. I mean... I don't know. Uh, I I think I'd take the honey wafers over the meat pots because that sounds sketchy. But um, but anyways, like, you know, like like for me, that's going to be kind of a personal application here is like I see constantly they keep going back to complaining and how it affects not only themselves, their relationship with God, but also their relationship with Moses and Aaron. I mean, Moses and Aaron are like weary about the complaining, like to the point where they're making it obvious that they're complaining to God and not complaining to them because they've obviously complained a lot to Moses and Aaron. Mm. And so... Uh, instead of like 
complaining like as I'm kind of talking, you know, or if I'm compl- talking to somebody else or even like venting on Facebook or whatever it may be like, like pause before I kind of continue that thought, continue that process of complaining and then maybe go through a process of being thankful or try to shift perspective and say, all right, Lord, um, how have you been providing for me? Instead of complaining that my kids are annoying me, you know, maybe think, God, thank you that I have like an amazing son, Judah, an amazing daughter, Hannah, you know, and just to begin to kind of realign my focus there. Uh, And I think you kind of, you kind of, part of like shifting our minds and shifting the way we think and our perspectives, I think it has to start with intentionality. Like we have to be intentional about that, those things, even kind of create like disciplines to the, hopefully it will become more natural that I'll start to think about how God is working more and less about like my present situation. And so you guys can keep me accountable on that. And you guys in yeah. Facebook land, hi, mm-hmm. you can keep me accountable on that too. It's mm-hmm. just like if there's a time where I feel like I'm starting to complain, and I don't usually complain often. I try to stay pretty positive. Um, it probably drives my wife crazy. Uh, I'm definitely a glass half full overflowing kind of guy. But mm-hmm. when, I, when that does happen, I want to be able to uh, put a discipline in my life to where I can just stop, you know, and begin to just process, okay, God, what can I be thankful for in this situation? Where is your manna? Where is your quail? Where is all the things that you've been providing for me that I might not even recognize or acknowledge? Um, and then start to begin to think about that. Um, it says um, it says in Philippians 4, it says that if you're worried about anything, you know, stop, pray about it. At, thank God for everything he's done and let the peace that surpasses understanding cover your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so I think I want to start to try to put that into practice the best that I can. Something, too, with you said about being intentional that can really help, too, with some, when I'm struggling with things like in my mind or, you know, negative thoughts or fears is I'll write them out and then I'll put a truth next to them. Like whatever I know the enemy is attacking me on, I'll write it out and then I'll find like a scripture verse or I'll just write a promise. It doesn't have to be a verse. Or I'll just write a truth I know. Um, and then every time I hear it in my mind, I'll go back against it with that truth. Mm-hmm. And that is a great exercise. I, I heard somewhere that if you say something out loud five times, your brain recognizes it as a truth. So if you just continually say those truths out loud over that negative thought or that fear, you're going to retrain your brain into thinking that that is the the new truth. Well, and it is the truth. So that is something with being intentional. If it is something you're struggling with, write it out. And like Daniel said, find somebody to share that with, that Mm -hmm. they can speak that truth into you. It really helps. Um, Guys, we'll need to wrap it up. Um, Daniel, would you pray for us to close this out real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you uh, for... My brother uh, Brent and my sister Tiffany and uh, just all the amazing people that are joining us in this kind of forum of uh, Facebook and live stream and the podcast. Thank you that uh, you are uniting us through your Holy Spirit. Uh, God, I pray that you would continue to speak to us, Lord, uh, through your word, through the communities that we're in, through the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our life. uh, God, so that we would begin to live the way you designed us to, to trust and depend on you. Uh, God, re, uh, rewire the way we think. Uh, God, help us to, sh- to think about uh, your ability to be, your ability that you are in control, that you are all powerful, and that you can even take bad situations and turn them amazingly for our good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Lord, help us to trust you more and more. 
And God, may we take these moments where we hear from you, whether it's through a podcast or through scripture, whatever it is, and and God, give us the courage and the discipline to, to begin to apply it to our lives. Um, God, because we know that the storms are going to come. We know that the flood waters are going to rise. And so, God, may we just be firmly secure in your promises and the goodness uh, uh, that you have shown us often, so many times. God, thank you for all the good things that you've done for us. Uh, God, I just pray that we would um, continue to show your light and show your love to people by the way we live, by the way, uh, by by our thoughts that are reflected in our actions. Uh, We love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel, for praying. Tiffany, thank you for joining us again today. Thanks for having me. And we do want you back next month, so don't worry about that. (laughs) But um, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Thank you for sticking with us. (laughs) Thank you for joining us each week for this conversation. Please continue to do so. Please continue to share so that we can make this a bigger conversation that is hopefully affecting more people's lives. So until we talk to you next Tuesday, go out there, show the light of Jesus and the love of Jesus to the world, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us.